Hello, and welcome to the Elam Thriving Podcast. We're your hosts, Allie Szynski and Colleen Kindlin Steele. We're here to connect you with information and resources that promote thriving. Our goal is to see you and the individuals with disabilities that you support thriving together in community. So we're here with Becky Copera O'Connor, who is a speech language pathologist here at Elam. So Becky, I wanted to give you a chance to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got into the field, how you came here to Elam, um, just whatever you wanna share with us. Sure. Um, so my name is Becky and I'm a speech pathologist. Um, thanks so much for inviting me to do this. This is super exciting. Um, so I've been at Elam for total about let's see, maybe 14, going on 14 years. Wow. So um, before I became a speech pathologist at Elam, I was a paraprofessional here. So I did not know yeah. that. That's awesome. So um, there's my fun fact. Um, <laughs> I started it in 2006 as a para and I had graduated with a degree in English at that time. So I had one a of those two. Yeah. So <laughs> it's one of those degrees that you really don't know what to do anything with. Um, so I was here as a para and I really knew I wanted to do something in special ed. So I, I worked, you know, you know, in the elementary um, program and I actually am a speech path in the classroom now that I worked that as a were, para. How yeah. fun. So it's pretty cool. Um, so it's a nice connection and a lot of the same staff are obviously here. So um i knew i wanted to do something in special ed so i really like saw what the speech paths were doing here at elam and i was really impressed by that and i thought that was really cool and so i decided to go back to school so i ended up getting a second bachelor's degree in communication disorders at oh. governor state so then once i got that second bachelor's i was able to go to grad school um and then i actually did graduate in 2012 and I told myself I wasn't going to come back to Elam to work as a speech path because I was like, I, I was at Elam already. I'm done. I went down that road. I want to do something different. Sure. I was like, uh -huh. I totally want to do something different. But of course, Elam draw, drew me back. And I feel like that happens a lot because you really hear a lot of people that come back to Elam. Yeah. It's super interesting. Um, so I worked, I actually worked somewhere for one semester. I worked in a typical you know, regular ed preschool. And I was like, I want to go back to Elam. Oh, so wow. I kind of knew it. So I told Pam Connolly when she interviewed me for the for the um, speech position that I feel like it takes kind of a certain person to want to work in this field, mm -hmm. especially uh, to do speech because it's not very typical. Mm -hmm. So she always told me that's what she remembered about my interview. So wow. obviously I came back um, as a speech path. Um, and I think it's been seven years now. This is my seventh school year. Wow. So, yes. Wow, so, that is quite that a was journey. very long intro to myself, but um, that's what brought me back. Well, we're glad. And I love That it. you came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Becky, we know as a speech pathologist, you are constantly using tons of different types of communication devices and ways to help students communicate at Elam because they're pretty complex communicators. So we would love to just chat with you about AAC and sort of what it looks like 
at Elam and just in the broader community of special ed. So if you could just start by breaking down AAC for us, like what does it mean and what does it entail just as a, a brief overview? Okay, sure. Um, so AAC stands for Augmentative and Alternative Communication. So it's a pretty general term. Um, usually we just we just use the acronym here, so not many people ask what it means, but <laughs> <Right>. actually um, <laughs> I'll tell you guys. So augmentative is anytime you need to augment verbal speech. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you can't rely, if you're a communicator who can't rely on just your verbal speech alone, you may need to augment it. And alternative is when you need to use an alternative means to communicate. So your speech, your speech is just not, you don't have enough speech or you can't, you can't use it at all times that you may need it. So that's alternative. So augmentative alternative communication. Um, so at Elam, we use a super wide range of AAC. Right. Um, probably the most, the most used form of AAC at Elam just in the last few years is definitely the iPad. Mm. Um, so typically, what happens is there'll be an, iP an iPad with a communication app on it. So those are just widely sold on um, the iTunes store, but obviously um, you don't wanna just grab any app. Um, so you'll see um, a lot of iPads with AC um, apps here. And then we have a lot of um, something called pod books. So that's another acronym. Um, pragmatically organized dynamic display. That's a language system that okay. we use. So typically you'll see that printed. It's a low-tech book. So when I say low-tech, I mean um, something that's obviously not a piece of technology. Got it. So sure. a, a low-tech tool, typically you'll see um, it being paper-based. Okay. So when you hear low-tech, it's typically paper-based. So typically you'll see a laminated core board, which is picture symbols, um, and what other low tech. So low tech, sometimes you hear the word mid, sometimes you hear the term mid tech. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> that's getting more into the um, nitty gritty of it, but that's something that's kind of in the middle of, it's not a paper-based tool and it's not an electronic iPad. It's something more that's like mid so maybe something you record your voice on okay so sure yeah okay. so in many classrooms um you may see like a big button it's called like a big mac so mm -hmm. you record your voice on there so that's like a mid tech and then obviously the high tech would be the ipads or the dedicated communication devices it's like a nova chat or um, a PRC device. Right, yeah, there's such a spectrum, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really wide ranging. So, but Elam has a whole gamut. So you will see everything in Elam. Sure, so, yeah. I mean, it matches the kid, right? So right. we gotta have something for everyone. Right. Um, so it sounds like obviously there's, like we just said, there's a huge spectrum. So how do you decide a, if someone is even a good candidate for AAC, and then also, how would you really know? Does someone need something super low-tech, mid-tech, a high-tech device? How do you determine those types of things? So my, my personal theory 
as um, a speech path who works with people with complex communication needs is I don't I don't see any prerequisite for someone to use AAC because I think communication is a human right so right. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like that's what guides me typically sure. in my work um, and I know many of the people on the team here the other speech therapists here but in general in the AAC community typically um, what we would look for is a student or an adult or a user who would be able to who has who has the is showing some intent for communication so typically you you want to work on some intent or you know some being able to to know that when I communicate I need another person there so sure typically that's what I might look for so if I'm not seeing it yet I may work on just um, you know talking talking to a young three-year-old with multiple disabilities or complex needs about you know what they're doing with their body or the the sounds that may be coming from them or you know how they're turning or what they're doing so looking at them and saying oh you're looking over there you might want more of that so that may be something that I might look for before you know introducing a tool an AAC tool mm -hmm. to that student right but again in my work here at Elam I typically try to introduce some sort of AAC even if it's very simple right away mm -hmm. just because it's going to be part of their life it's going to be yeah. part of uh, their family's life and it's going to be part of their experience at elam so yeah you know when i hear that i would imagine it's probably um you know there are some people who might look at a student and think they don't have any intent to communicate. they're not mm -hmm. trying to communicate mm -hmm. but i would think for some of our students it may not be real obvious that they're trying to communicate even if they are yes which is gets tricky. Yes. And, yeah. that's, and that's a big thing here, especially when we have new, you know, new staff that come on mm. to Elam um, or even in the special ed world. I think if you don't have any experience with people with complex needs, it can, it can be very tricky because, um, you know, it's just if you look at a student who maybe isn't moving much or isn't doing much and especially is not verbalizing, mm -hmm. then it may look like they don't want to communicate but sometimes they just don't don't have the like what I said augment mm -hmm. augmented alternative they don't have that alternative way so sure. right. they were never given a tool or they were never shown how to use a yep. tool so I think that's why I go with the belief that you know it is a human right for yep. commun to communicate so it doesn't hurt to, to expose someone to a tool mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't hurt to model symbols or talk about what you're doing with your body or use sign language or any of those multiple modalities, which is absolutely uses yeah. more than one behavior to communicate. So um, that's kind of my, that's how I, that's what I have in the back of my head uh -huh. when I come to work each sure. day. So that guides me. So right. how do, you, you know, do you kind of, does it work like you start with low tech and progress to high tech or do you ever just skip right to high tech or how do you know which, um, typically I start with something low tech if, if the student has, if the student comes to Elam with no tool at all. Okay. So because Elam brings in students of varying ages mm -hmm. and experiences, sometimes that could be a tricky piece, but 
because sometimes a student may come to us in third grade and they had from preschool to third grade with communication experiences in their educational environment. So sometimes we do have to start over when they come when they come mm. here, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. So maybe they were given a tool and they weren't they weren't shown how to use it the right way. Okay, sure. Sure. Um, so that's happened a few times where they were handed an iPad with an app thinking, here you go, here's your communication device. And they were never shown how to use it or no one modeled to them. But I'm not saying that's the case all the time, but mm -hmm. um, typically um, we would start with something. So even if it's something low tech, so, an ava so something available to them. Okay, but sure. there isn't really a pre-programmed script for it. It kind of depends on um, just students situation really. Mm -hmm. Right, so. and I imagine your clinical judgment in general, just right. sort of right. what right. you see fit. Um, as someone who I used to work with students that used also similar to our population at Elam, a wide variety of AAC devices, and I would consistently see students that had such a hard time using it independently. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what advice you would give professionals or parents or I mean, really anyone in a community that is going to be alongside someone that's using AAC, how can they increase their independence? What is like, what are some small things that they can do to help um, the user be able to use their system a little bit more independently? Um, sure. So that's a huge part of being able to use a any AAC tool with, you know, with autonomy, which is being able to say what you want to say. Right, um, right. That, that it's your message is that I think a lot of it is about exposing um, the student or the user to it the right way. So at the mm. beginning, um, you know, when you put a piano in front of someone, you have to show them how to how to play piano sure so right. that's, that's kind of like there's a quote but i don't know the quote right now off the top of my head but you don't just learn learn to play the piano the first day it's put in front of you right. so i think a big part of it and um, a big part of my philosophy with aac2 is just making sure um the student or the the user or the communicator understands that it is a tool that, that can be powerful, mm -hmm. that can be used for communication. So it needs, it needs to be something that's, that looks as if it's not, not looks, but is something that can be used to communicate. So sure. if they don't right. see, if they don't see the power in it. So it like needs to be modeled right. almost so they can yeah. see it used. Yeah. Right. Right. So, Understand its power kind of. Right. Mm -hmm. So that makes so much so sense. So adults and, you know, staff and caregivers are, are modeling and using, using the tool in a way that the student can see, wow, like I can get, I mm -hmm. can tell someone what I need with this. Yeah. I can say if I like it or don't like it or give my opinion or, or, right. words or ask to go for a car ride. Uh -huh. So I think so many times that stuff is overlooked. Wow. Because if yeah. a tool, if something like, let me, let me just do, let me just give you this iPad with app to solve all the problems. Right. So if, 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 only, if, not, right. <laughs> if it's not shown and if it's not modeled, modeling is a huge thing. So what I mean by modeling is, is really, it's simple. It, people overthink it all the time, but it's really just 
using, like let's say you have a, a low tech core board with picture symbols on it. So it's just about using my voice and touching the symbols on the board mm. at the same time. So letting the students see, hey, this, this is an accepted way to communicate. Wow. Yeah. So this adult that's with me right now is touching this board. So this means something. Yeah. And obviously it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Like it needs, it needs, they need to see it in mm -hmm. natural ways too, which I think is an important piece too. It has yeah. to be, it has to be natural. It's not just going to be in my office for 30 minutes. Oh, that's true. It needs to yeah. be in the hallway or in, in the lunchroom or. Yeah. You know. On the playground everywhere. Right. Right. I think so a big thing, yeah, that I have always seen is that the device or the core board is used in speech and then the student comes back to the classroom and it goes in their mailbox so they can bring it home and use it with their parents. And it's like, no, do you put your voice right. in your backpack and not carry mm -hmm. it around with you all day? Yeah. And that I think that can be a huge uh, hindrance and something that is just, I think, sort of hard to get over that speech isn't necessarily something that only needs to happen when the speech pathologist is around because right. it's not that simple and it's not that nuanced, but, um, or it is that nuance is really what I mean. It really is that, um, that specific that it needs to be used all the time and modeled always. And when you don't see the fruits happen right away, that's normal because it's behavior change, you yes. know, learning how to do something new. Mm -hmm. I, it takes me forever to learn a new mm -hmm. skill or hobby. And that's very similar to what our students are it's experiencing. Like, it's like learning a new language, really. It so, is. Especially with POD, which is a like a language system that we use across bridges in, in the school program. Um, it is like learning a new language. So it can, it takes time, yeah. but um, we've seen that, you know, if you really work at it and it, you have fun with it. I think that's another thing. Mm. So I think sometimes people who are unfamiliar or new or <clears throat> feel intimidated with AAC, they get nervous. Sure. And I think, I think communication is fun and sometimes it's a little messy mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's sometimes I just, I just like to remind people it's, it's really don't overthink it. Communication mm -hmm. should not be you should not overthink communication because it's just relationships. Yeah. So I think that's, it takes time for that. But once you build a relationship with, with users, AAC users, that I think that makes the big, a big difference. So I try to, I try to coach staff through that part too. So it's about relationship building mm -hmm. and it's communication. It's, supposed to be fun. Yeah. So. Those are really great tips yeah. that you shared with us. One thing that I'm, thinking too is probably if um, a student might see another student using the communication yeah. mm -hmm. tool successfully, that's probably mm -hmm. got to be great for them too. Mm -hmm. I remember um, this was years ago, I had um, a student come to my class and he used um, an eye gaze right. device. And um, you know, he was someone who had gone through college and grad school and had successfully used that tool to, to communicate and to do academic work. And, um, you know, he was, I think he was in his late twenties at that point, maybe, but it was so neat um, to see him just modeling mm -hmm. for the students. Like, this is just my voice. This is my everyday 
Um, so for them to just to see that, I would imagine that probably is powerful too to see other right. students. Mm -hmm. using and their and I've and I see that a lot, especially in our program. Like I said, sometimes students come to Elam. Not everyone starts at preschool and you know continues on to Elam. So we we have students that come in at various ages. So mm -hmm. I've seen um, a good number of students that you know, maybe they, they received an AAC tool or an iPad, whatever it may be in, in their, you know, school that they came to before they were at before Elon. And then, you know, maybe they were kind of a reluctant user mm. or they just didn't see the power of the tool yet. And then they come to Elon and because we're so AAC centered and um, just visuals and um, we just have AAC everywhere. Yeah that the students see that, hey, look, there's other, there's other kids here using, using yeah. the, the AC device that they have. So I've seen that. And I like to tell parents that too, when some new kids come on board, just because I feel like it's a, it's a positive thing yes. that we, that I've seen. Sure. So kids will start seeing, hey, like I have this, I see, I see this other student that I really don't know, but you know, an older student walking through the hall with their device that looks like mine. Mm -hmm. So it just becomes more of a culture. Yeah. So, and I, and the years that I've been at Elam, I've seen our AAC culture really grow. Oh, and that's awesome. it, yeah, I'm super proud of that because I feel like we're, we're good in some, we're a good model for other schools. Mm -hmm. And sometimes because I'm in, in it all the time, I don't see it. But sure. then when I have new yeah. people, when I have new staff come in and tell me, Hey, this is so awesome. Then, you know, brings me back to it sometimes. So wow. I'm happy about the culture that's growing. Yeah. And representation is just so important. Like you said, for students to not feel alone, like they're the only student using something or that's right. so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you kind of touched on it, but I'm just curious um, how you've seen AAC increase the quality of life for a student or a group of students. Yeah, so I've I've seen this just you know in in the ways that we're able to see students really express their personality with with AAC. So. Um, a big part of pod and I'm sorry I keep going back to pod but that's the system that I use the most and yeah it's um, huge yeah and pod is is pragmatically based so it's it's all about the intent of your communication mm -hmm. yeah. um so we've seen a lot of kids who who have more complex bodies um use pod and we've we we've been able to hear messages from them using their pod that we wouldn't hear any other way so wow. so a you know, pod. Is, a lot of pod is, you know, a, some, there's something's wrong, or there's, you know, I like it, don't like it. So there's a lot of opinions, and there's um, ways to really give the intent of their message that we may not have heard any other way. So maybe they would say one word. Um, I'm just trying to think of one of the messages one of any of my students have given that surprised me. I probably won't be able to think of any at the top of my head, okay. but just. You can make up an example. Too, if you want. <laughs> yeah, just like a way. Um, oh God, I can't think of anything now at the top of my head. Well, but. I'm remembering once a few years ago, I had a student who finally got a device. And I mean, I think that this is actually pretty rare, but he picked it up almost, it felt like overnight. It was yeah. like, this is exactly what he needed. 
Um, he was really intellectually like a, like always stimulated. So he was just the perfect candidate for this device. And he started telling jokes all the time. And we knew he was kind of silly, but it was like, wow, he has been dying for an outlet to just like <laughs> do more than just like, you know, put a silly toy on your chair so you'll sit on it or something, you know, like he would do silly things like that. But it was so fun to, we, you know, inputted all these knock-knock jokes and things mm -hmm. so he could have more opportunities for it, but we'd have to switch them out constantly because he was dying for something new to be able to. Uh, yeah. It was and just everyone, like, how fun is that? Line. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big thing too. Like the social piece. Yes. Like, uh, like communication is supposed to be fun and social. So I think that also helps students who are being introduced to AAC that it's not just like a work, a work thing. It's not a, mm. it's not a school thing. It's not an academic tool. Obviously it is because you need to communicate for all of those things, but if a reluctant user is, is shown like, like your example, Allie, about the jokes, like that helps them connect. Sure. And, Absolutely. And, and find success. So when I, I feel like when a student, an AC user has a successful moment, or an experience that just it just grows from there mm -hmm. and then the staff who may be reluctant see that and then they're more willing to to model like hey like look at that look at that user he can do this and then it kind of grows so i think it's it starts small it's like a snowball effect really absolutely i have just a question about um home use mm -hmm. so obviously you are a trained specialist so when the student is at school you're right. helping facilitate that and get them going and acclimated. Is there is there ever trouble with carryover to home? Because I mean, I, I'm just thinking of myself as a parent. Right. Like, it's probably challenging mm -hmm. to integrate that into, especially if you have other kids and you're trying to, you know, because it takes a lot of patience right. to to have someone successfully use a system or a device, and it might just seem easier to skip it or yeah, not to so put it on know. the back burner. Yeah. Right. I'm just wondering right. how that. So I, I will do parent trainings, um, frequently, especially with, um, you know, some of my younger students in like our EC program. So a lot of students who are starting to use their communication box, I'll have parents come in oh, just because, awesome. um, students are doing really well with them and I want parents to see, you know, mm -hmm. so what I typically tell parents is, again, don't overthink it. Hmm. Just have, a lot of times I'll tell them, just have the student, we're going to put the book in the backpack and you're going to get the book, the communication book and bring it out and you're going to have it out at home. So maybe you're not going to, maybe you're not going to do anything with the book for a while, maybe the first few days, maybe the first two weeks. And you're going to, the student is going to start to say, Hey, that book that's at school that my teachers are using to communicate <laughs> with me is now at home. So it's kind of like a slow introduction. Got it. Okay. And then um, another piece of advice I tell parents too is, you know, once you get comfortable with that book being there, just choose one, choose one activity or choose mm -hmm. one time of the day that you're going to model a few things on that tool. Okay. And, you know, don't feel like you need to search and, and turn and touch buttons and, and get overwhelmed. Just choose one activity, you know, choose your bedtime routine or mm. maybe at dinner or, you know, while you're 
playing or you're watching TV and just model. Okay. And just, you know, grow from there because you want, again, you want the child, the user to see that this is a powerful tool. And, it's and this is a positive setting. experience, yes. right? Yes. His mom isn't getting all yes. frustrated. And so, <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I know, I, I know it can be very challenging to try to use a new tool at home when you're already dealing yes. with, you know, other things, but sure. I think it's better to do something than okay. nothing. Yeah. So just having the book there and having it out can be a big thing because the child may go to, you never know, mm -hmm. the child may go to the book and pick up a book and, or iPad and say something with it. So if it's there, then you won't miss the opportunity. That's oh, that's so true. <laughs> you just have to, you know, give the opportunity for it to even occur. So and don't overthink it. Well, Becky, it was amazing having you here. Um, I feel like Colleen and I have so many questions and we could talk for hours <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> asking about it. Yeah, I can too. <laughs> <laughs> Something we're all passionate about. Um, but one thing that we want to ask you that we ask all um, everyone that comes on our podcast is what helps you thrive in your role at Elam instead of just feeling like you're surviving day to day? So I would say what helps me thrive here is definitely the students. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I come to work every single day really happy and ex I'm, I'm really glad to say that. So I come to work really happy and excited and um, just looking forward to building relationships with with the students that I have on my caseload and the ones that aren't on my caseload just because Elam is it is like a, a huge family yeah um so I think that really drives my work here and then when I see when I see those little you know those little moments and the the little achievements so I always know that the little things turn into big things so that really keeps me going and, and makes me, you know, work harder for them because I know they need, they need someone passionate about communication. So yeah, well, that's what really drives me. We sure appreciate you. Thank you. And all the hard, <laughs> all the hard work yeah. that you do. So on behalf of our students and our families, thank you for everything thank you, you do. And thanks for uh, just sharing it with us. This was wonderful. Yeah, yeah this is fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Elam Thriving Podcast. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to us if you left some feedback. You can learn more about us at our website, elamcs.org. Thanks again for listening.